0: Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 198. Today is Sunday the 5th of June 2016, and this interview, which was recorded yesterday, is with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor at the Irish Tech News. Simon is an entrepreneur, coder, and writer, and in this podcast we discuss tech trends, what are some of the most exciting areas of new tech, including drones and biotech, the Irish tech scene, Some amazing startups, as well as what drives the growing success of the Irish Tech News. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset. That's M Y N D S E T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick, and enjoy the show. So Simon Cogin. Great to have you on the show this fine Saturday morning. You're straight in from down South Ireland. So tell us um more, who you are, what you do, and what's your mindset, Simon?
1: Okay, thanks, Minta. Um, yeah, I guess we're we're Irish based, we're Irish Tech News. Um we grew out of Dublin. Um and luckily as Things have grown and we have stories in Galway, San Francisco and other places. We've either got people to move there or we have people we found from the Irish diaspora almost who are happy to cover stories for us. And so that's helped us to have a reach so that it is very much Irish and beyond, not just Dublin. Which is good too because, you know, I'm actually now down in Cork. And so whenever you leave Dublin, the Irish would feel that news can be very Mm -hmm. Dublin-centric. I guess also what's happened is is that um, we have a lot of... We have a readership who are outside of Ireland who want to know about Ireland, both Irish over in the US and other places, that, and also people who are looking at Ireland as possible places to come to to launch maybe their European office for their business. So it's meant that from maybe... It shows in one way, I guess, everything becomes quite global quite quickly, both for companies looking to scale out of Ireland and then us as a media organisation looking to tell stories, you know, both Irish facing, outward facing, uh, and a mixture of both. So I guess that's my first little answer for you, and say if you want me to elaborate on any of that.
0: Well, just uh, what is your mindset? How about that? So we understand Simon a little bit more.
1: Okay, so I mean, I guess the great thing for me is I've only really been in the space about four years because we had an environmental education company, um, and that was... Great, it, ran for, it still goes, but for me it ran for about 10 years. And back then, we would always want to get our story out because that was part of if you're going to have success, you need to communicate success to get people to buy into the project. So back then, we would write um, press releases for the media and then we would see that pretty much if you wrote something that had a beginning and a middle and an end and made sense, then it was quite likely that you'd get it covered. So that meant that even though being new to the tech space, the idea of how to communicate and how to get a story out there, you began to see there's a lot of similarities. Um, And so, and I guess the nice thing too is it's about, if you're going to write about tech, you need to realise very quickly that you're unlikely to be able to have the depth of knowledge over every subject you talk Mm -hmm. about because, you know, we're doing med tech, we're doing wearable, we're doing bioanalytics. Um, It's... You know, very hard, impossible to be an expert in all these areas. So, so, more or less, every time you meet a new innovator or an interesting company, um, you're going to have to be relaxed about saying you, you need to explain to me what you do because I don't know it as well as you do, mm-hmm. and therefore to not have that fear of asking silly questions <laughs> because you know, you know, I, I've been in, in 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 rooms of just JavaScript developers, and yet even within that, somebody has a niche for a bunch of APIs that no one else knows. So. If things get specific very quickly, but you still need to communicate to a wider audience, even a wider tech audience. So therefore I think it's still value in asking people to say, okay, at a high level what do you do? Right. Tell tell me the details later, but you still need to be able to say what does it do? Who does it help?
0: All right, so, so what what about tech itself? Because <laughs> um uh, the 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 notion of tech maybe sounds obvious, but how do you define technology? Because, or you know, oftentimes, there's this notion of well, it's digital or not. I mean, so if you have a, a big machine, is that technology in your world?
1: Um. Yeah. So I guess on one hand, no, until it's doing new, innovative, and different things. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, the, I guess the way we're looking at that. Is is I guess we're trying to tell stories about how things are changing, new innovations, what's being done differently. So if there's a big tanker outside, but it's just a tanker that was built 80 years ago and it's not doing anything different, then there's no story there. But Mm -hmm. if the story is that now it's going to be a wind and solar powered tanker, then I think that's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess it's hard to have an exact rule of thumb, but you know it's i guess who's innovating and what are they doing and can you explain to us why it's
0: innovative and so something else that i liked when uh, when we first met Simon was you also seem to look at more human interest elements or at least a, a broader um, human interest yeah, yeah what what um, what we can do for society is that something that you are part uh, in the team of at, at Irish tech news is that something you just are personally doing because that's part of your personal gestalt
1: Okay, yeah. So I guess, I guess, uh, uh, I guess the, the informal answer would be is is that I definitely would almost used to see how much I could wind up my business partner with stories that in theory were so far away from tech. So I did some about surfers. I did some about mixed martial arts. I did some about ultimate frisbee. Now, obviously, then you know, like you know, you'd go two steps to the left and then then I would know how I could bring it back into a tech context. So in a slightly flippant way, I I would perhaps look to see where there are interesting stories in unusual places. But even in all of those areas I mentioned, the Ultimate Frisbee, it turns out that Google and WhatsApp's founders met playing Ultimate Frisbee, so therefore we can sketch out, you know, Ultimate Frisbee is the self-refereeing, Sport is that a bit like people that do open source? You know, so are there commonalities, you know, Elon Musk, uh, Solar City and Tesla, those guys they were ultimate frisbee players. Peter Field was an ultimate frisbee player. So, you know, is there something about open source and self refereeing that appeals to people that if they work hard by day, do they want to do a sport that reflects similar values? Um the mixed martial arts. Um, there's a bit of strate- strategy on it. We knew it was doing very well in Ireland, so we got people to talk about how Conor McGregor used social media to boost his profile. Um, mm. So, but again, that's not what I write about. 100%. Yeah, out of points. course. But so, but so then to come back to the beginning about human interest, I think the good thing to remember is is that we're still people dealing with people. We are using tech to make our lives easier, but at the end of the day. In theory, like the chatbots and stuff, the tech is fixing the bits that we just need an answer to, which hopefully then leaves more time back for human-to-human interactions, in theory, you know?
0: Mm, I love that. And the fact that I'm an ultimate Frisbee player mm, turns me on So, to, to that story. I'm all over that one. So, um, you know what you were just saying before? Obviously, there's so many things happening in tech. Uh, and so, I, most of the time, I spend my time working with companies, trying to help them navigate through that. And of course, it's somewhat help easier when you're in a specific category. But you are, therefore, covering all interesting innovation in tech. How how do you describe what's what's leading the parade? Where, where do you where do you have maybe just even a personal like, wow, this is the fun part?
1: <laughs> okay, so. I guess the things at the moment, I think drones are very interesting because, you know, it's you could almost say it's like, you know, the original inter, the original internet was created by US military. So again, drones came out of US military, but now we have people doing fantastic things with drones. Um, from like Ireland, the Wild Atlantic Way is you know it's basically a road trip road trip concept, but the footage of much it has been created with drones. So that's fantastic. You know, no humans are being killed in the use of drones sort of stories. Mm -hmm. Um, But also um, they're being used to monitor places where it's too dangerous for humans to go or it's unnecessary to send humans in to see if there's gas leakages. So I guess things like that are very exciting and also very interesting in that the last 18 months, things have moved along very quickly. So, you know, there are some areas that you can see change coming very quickly. And therefore with that, I guess the great thing is, is the technology gets made, and then the humans start coming up with possible uses of it that nobody really anticipated. Mm. So I think it's and also being Irish specific for a second, Ireland has an interesting history with aviation that it developed a lot of rules and regulations in terms of safe usage very early on, and so Ireland saw the opportunity to become something similar for drones. To actually, Mm -hmm. US response was. We're gonna ban people using it. The Irish one was let's find a way to get safe usage of it. Maybe it's draft for now, but then hopefully this will evolve into a you know, a set of regulations. And that happened. They got it out before Christmas and now you have an interesting space where people are innovating with within with the government buying to know that if we just say no, it's gonna happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can try and work with the users within limits, we might get some really useful outcomes.
0: Mm, that's great. Uh, what else is uh, then turning you on? What else is happening?
1: Okay, so I guess, so that's drones. Um, I think the whole this whole, I guess the good thing is is that things have moved beyond just making the, the latest social media app.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so to flip that, there's been some hardware hackathons. Um, hackathons became a very buzzword about 18 months ago, but from that they realized that they could do interesting things with physical creations and to innovate if you can put the right people in the room from big companies to startups, to see what can come out of that and so there's been some good accelerators now which are looking to you know well there's one about hack the airport so it was you know how can we improve the experience in the airport based upon getting everyone in the room and saying well wouldn't it be good if this could happen and this really annoys me when, when I go to the airport. Um, So that's an interesting one. I guess the other one that we've spoken a bit about is the whole bio thing. And I find this quite interesting previously as somebody who, with environmental education, we were very concerned about genetically modified products. Mm -hmm. And yet now you can see that they're developing things like allergic-free peanuts, uh, bacteria-enhanced yogurt, and some of these things could actually have very interesting applications. Um, So there, there there are some accelerators here to look at uh, innovative um, biotechnology developments, um, and so there was one where they're growing using three D printers to grow human body parts. So you know, like I mean, I think we all saw the pictures of you know the mouse with a human ear growing out the back of it. Whereas now mm-hmm. we're at the stage where, with the right materials, you know, a three D printer instead of just printing like maybe military figurines could be printing a finger or something. Um, which has some very interesting possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps, say you are here on a on an island in the middle of nowhere, and you, you cut your finger off, or maybe you print a new one. I'm not sure if they're quite there yet. <laughs> where's that?
0: Where's that one being developed?
1: Okay, so that's we robotics and they came out of the uh, Cork Indie Bio Accelerator, and then I know that they were going over to Silicon Valley. So I guess you, I, I don't think everything should always have to go to Silicon Valley, but I think it at least shows the value of the idea that. Um, they've grown. They've grown out of an Irish base that people can see much wider applications. So that's that's Gemma Redmond I can give you the links to her. That'd be well. great.
0: So give let's take just take that example, uh, and um, I'm thinking about what you're saying before about how Ireland is looking for the, you know, allowing for drones and then trying to make sure that it's done safely. Mm-hmm. In this kind of a situation, there are things like ethics that are involved. You know, should I be able to print a bigger nose because um, I want a bigger nose? Mm-hmm. Um, should that be allowed or not? And then, uh, who's regulating that, or is that we're we're way that's far too uh, early in this particular case with with eurobotics?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I mean that's the whole maybe like Ray Kurz file thing about enhanced intelligence, and you know, he's discussing that you know, in the future it will almost seem perverse not to avail of enhanced intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, and and while right now you and I can talk about the ethics, the, the flip of that is, is at the moment we're all carrying our enhanced intelligence. Right. So so I think it's just that, you know, if you look at adoption rates for smartphones, they're, you know, almost becoming ubiquitous. So then when you start looking at Wearables—it's just like the, nat- the natural progression. That why would I have it in my pocket? This rectangular object, if perhaps it becomes part of now, obviously you know Google, Google Glass came along and you know went very badly because you know it was perceived to be intrusive and all of that. So you know I think there's a happy medium between wearing the rectangle in your pocket. Um, now obviously.
0: So it's, well, in the, yeah. in the, Simon, in the case of Google Glass, the 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 populace uh, voted. It didn't need to be regulated. I think people themselves started getting PO'd with uh, the intrusiveness and the potential, and so that sort of gave it a bad karma, whether it was also the media who also covered and started posing questions. So the government didn't even need to regulate it.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, okay, well, I mean, I guess with, with drones... If you don't regulate and you're in a major city with uh, a flight park, sure, and the guys have already said they've been flying planes and they've seen the drone out yeah. their window at yeah, 600 yeah. feet, so I guess everyone's trying to avoid the scenario where a drone brings down a plane, sure. Uh, and, and I guess it's always that balance about how much the government regulates and how much business regulates, but sometimes you know, business doesn't always regulate as far, you know, like say the drone. The manufacturers are happy to sell it to anybody, whereas drone users would rather make sure that there's a code of usage that they use safely before you have incidents that result in the shutdown of their, their usage. Um, that's always tricky, you know, it's finding that balance, isn't it? Um, I, think, I think with the Irish approach, it's a little bit about let's see what we can do, but if you go beyond limits of common sense, then we're going to have to come down and really rein things in. Now, obviously not everyone uses common sense, but before, so that came in in December, the regulation, um, but last year they had gigs where people were flying drones over the gigs and one lost power, crashed into someone's house, and then ironically, it happened twice to the same house.
0: (laughs) You know that, you know, uh, the World According to Garp, where they're going in to see the plane crash into the house, and he says, well, I'll take that one. What on earth? Why? Because the chances of it happening a second time seem extremely unlikely. I guess that drone incident is, is proof that the, uh, the story is a little bit different. So I, one of the things, um, uh, you know, we have so many things we're, we're following, and it strikes me, Simon, that you are based in Cork in Ireland. Uh, as Irish Tech News, you kind of have a, a filter that allows you to filter out some of the noise. But how do you stay on top of what's going on? I mean, because... You, like I, are, are really trying to cover so many things. And when someone tells you, oh, I've got this really great new idea. Okay, well, it's a great new idea. It does this and this. Oh, that sounds interesting. That, wow, I'll, do, I'll write about that. Well, little do you know, but you know, in, in um, Bangladesh, someone had come up with the same thing 12 months ago.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, I guess, I mean, going to Singapore um, two weeks ago was interesting to see what they were doing with drones. So I think it's always good to be reminded that yeah, you know, just because there's some interesting things happening here, it doesn't mean that they're not happening in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, now that said, then speaking to the Singapore drone guys, they said, "Oh yeah, we were at a conference in London." So yeah. I mean, you know, as much as we're here and there, there, they're not just digging in their own backyard anyway. So I guess, um, um, yeah, I mean, let's say, and then like with the bioprinting one they have twin accelerators, one in Cork and one in San Francisco. So I guess quite quickly, you know, when you have conversations with people, um, most people, even who are innovating, are aware. And then again with the drones, you know, DJI, uh, we had a guy come over from California who was the uh, education officer for DJI drones. So I guess, you know, you wouldn't... Go for a long time, we thinking that something was just unique here. I think quite quickly, you would probably come across other examples in, in other places. So, if that answers
0: that aspect, yeah. Answer. yeah, yeah. So another thing that, of course, is fascinating uh, and, and things I've been learning about going coming over to Ireland is the the amount of large, let's say, tech giants that are now have European or EMEA bases there. And of course, let's say that the uh, the first. Part of that is, oh, attracted by the uh, tax rate. At the same time, with so many now big tech companies, albeit American for the most part, now based in Ireland, um, what's that done for the tech scene? Is that... that, that, I mean, because some of these are call centers, some of them are are just headquarter companies, but what's your observation?
1: Yeah. Okay, so I guess to walk it through, yes, I think they came for the tax. What's happened is a lot of them, the Apples, the Facebooks, the Googles, are building their data centers here, and those are five to 10-year investments. So regardless of changes in the tax regime, they won't really blow in and blow out, because you can see there's an area off the M50 where all these fields are being turned into massive uh, data centers. So they're here, and they're going to stay regardless of changes in tax. But then... You know, Again, I, if I'm going to talk about this from in terms of their engagement, um, that's a different story and that's an interesting one because it's very hard, virtually impossible, I would say, from our experience, and they're going to say otherwise, to get anybody to commit to talking about what they do from a European perspective. Um, it all has to go back to California to be on message. So, so they're an interesting... Presence on the scene, and this is maybe I start with maybe Twitter, Facebook in particular. It's very difficult to get anybody to do a piece about what, what their take on Dublin trends. It's the the message is all very carefully managed. Um, so on the other hand, and so Google do monthly talks about um, now. Obviously, a lot of it is how to get the most out of things that they build, right. like Google Search and YouTube. But there can still be interesting insights, um, so that's good. Um, Google are also supporting startups, but again, sometimes what they're doing is, is they're cherry-picking from the ones that have already successfully come through accelerators and incubators anyway. So, so we have an interesting situation where I, I think, let's say, maybe eight of the top ten companies have their European offices here. So that's a good thing. Um, so it creates a good ecosystem, but I don't think we're getting, I think the benefits might come in the future, whereas at the moment, they're still a bit locked down on message, and therefore they are here, and that's great, it means that they're here, and the money's being spent here, and you have a flux of people, and you know, so I've, I've worked with people who left Google to start up stuff, and that's really what you want, and that's what you're hoping for, Yeah, and that's, maybe where more of the benefit will come rather than direct engagement of facebook twitter etc in the startup scene so so you, they're kind of they're here but then they're, they're a little bit apart mm-hmm. you know and then you know without going over the old bones i mean i did see recently you know that the, the turnover versus the amount paid in tax for some of those companies mm-hmm. and it's still insanely disproportionate. right that you know if you're here you, you know the thing too is is that Ireland is very good if you're a tree or if you're a data center because of the very narrow temperature range or the relatively narrow temperature range. You know, optimal temperature for data centers may be about 22 degrees. Well, that's pretty close to Irish temperature anyway. So you don't have as much money to be spent on cooling uh-huh. or heating your, your centers. Uh-huh. So, so what I'm saying is, is there, there are very good reasons to locate here. And also your staff get the benefit of the health system and the education system. So therefore, at a corporate level, ideally there should be more money being put into the Irish economy to offset the benefits that your employees get by being based in.
0: So I, um, I, I saw that Intel uh, has sponsored many events. So I, I suppose they, they seem to be quite um, yes. active coming back out. But then I was wondering to what extent there could also be the San Francisco-Silicon Valley housing issue uh, with such... Large numbers of people coming in with probably let's say higher than average pay packages and or housing allowances
1: okay so yeah so, so so I know a software recruiting company and they recruit for Irish companies they recruit in Ireland where possible but they recruit overseas because they can 't find all the guys that they need so they're, they're bringing in people from Russia Croatia. Portugal, everywhere else. So the the key thing is, is in their conversations that they have within the first three questions is they have like a reality check with the people they're trying to hire to say are you aware of the amount of your potential income you will need to set aside for rent and accommodation to factor that in. And so it's quite interesting, so they say to me that it's quite entertaining, not entertaining but it's it's interesting that as much of their job is about hand-holding of the cultural transition to move here to manage expectations
2: mm-hmm.
1: to get them to come here. A lot of people interestingly from Croatia and Russia would like to move and work in Russia. They feel it's going to move and work in Ireland because they feel that culturally it's a place that they can adapt to. But at the same time the recruitment company are walking them through You know, accommodation is something to consider. You need to allow X amount of your salary mm-hmm. for this. And then if you do you'll be a, long, a successful, longer-term hire here, and we want that to happen. We don't want you to come with unrealistic expectations. So it is a challenge. And at the same time, yeah, absolutely, anybody who's coming over to be a programmer or a developer is already in the upper end of the salary. So, you know, as somebody has... a, You know, I was living in Dublin for 18 years. You know, I think there are actually plenty of nice areas to live. You know, it's, it's not that impossible mm-hmm. to find somewhere good to live. And then equally an Irish com- government idea policy is, is to not have all the companies in Dublin so that's why you have a kind of a pharma concentration in Cork and medtech in Galway and software development in Limerick and then even there's some stuff in Donegal so they are aiming to distribute not just in the capital to get around that
0: so and, so yeah. speaking of uh, infrastructure one of the projects that i saw that in it certainly intrigued me, was the IoT for Ireland. So the wiring, so to speak, of Ireland, uh, such that you can have uh, every object connected to the internet. Can you tell us uh, A, more about that project and if that's okay, and then B, what you think of it?
1: Okay, so yeah, so with, with the whole, um, there's a thing called Host in Ireland, which is promoting more data to be stored in Ireland because they feel that if you can get higher levels of data center here, then you'll get future jobs get extracting the value of the data. So f- so with that, there are kind of like uh, interconnectors coming into Cork f- with cables from the Atlantic, across the Atlantic from the US. So they're very much trying to create the infrastructure to facilitate, you know, make sure you have the right latency, that you're as fast as possible um, to be able to compete on that, on those terms. So uh, I know they're being built, and I think there are a couple that are due to be ready soon to help to enable that, to bring in the the power of connectivity that data companies would need or companies that will be working with data. So they're definitely um, looking to ensure that they have the capacity to be able to deliver the needs of the companies. Um, we can, um, I have somebody who has the links about the names of the types of interconnector and stuff, but they're being built, and I remember... Um, them explaining about how they're, they're coming in through Cork and then that way you have better connection from the US and then mm-hmm. on to the rest of Europe. So, yeah, that's the plan and they're hoping that they'll, they'll be able to manage that one.
0: What I understand is that sometime in the end of this year or the beginning of next year that the entire country will be connectable. So we're talking trees, cows and... Uh, Whatever sheep that are you know, uh, quote unquote just um, that can everything will be connected. So Ireland will end up being the first connected country uh, per se, and I think that in terms of how how what that what that means, it's sort of again like you said before at the very beginning, it's how people will then start to exploit right. that and use it because we don't know what that what that could end up being.
1: Yeah. So I guess. Traditionally in Ireland, every year you have the national ploughing championship. it Sounds massively, you know, provincial and you know, parochial. But the thing is, is that they've had a innovation section of that for a good couple of years now. And so there's things like herdwatch. Herdwatch, are an interesting company, uh, one of many, where you start to put <coughs> monitors on your animals so that then you know by their behaviour patterns when they're going to go into labour, by the way they move, by the temperature you know, so that then you have more effective use, you know, you lose less animals because you know when one's about to drop. Um, so I can definitely see that, you know, I guess the fact that, that there's a tent within the National plowing Championships that's specifically for agricultural related, farming related apps and innovations. And again, I think that's when we talk before about positive hardware developments, you know, it's not social media for cows, it's, you know, uh, health and birthing data for the farmers and then
0: and therefore food for us i mean you know bringing it back down to a little bit more important level about this is that one of the biggest issues is healthy food
1: yeah um and so yeah i mean i guess the challenge though is not it? That you, you might have a smart city but it's not necessarily an ecological city right so you know yeah, I'm I'm hoping that, that those things brought get brought together,
0: but that's still an ongoing conversation. Just, if you just to zero in on that, at the end of the day, when you look at Silicon Valley, they're the the let's say greedy VC private equity type of uh, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and and the ecosystem around that. You're looking really. for unicorns, but then you also have Elon Musk. Of course, he's trying to make money, but who's got a, a mission that is of a grand nature, that also happens to be extremely entrepreneurial and so on. Ireland is a country where you obviously want to make money, but there's also I got this feeling from so many people I'm speaking to that it has to also have something a little bit more important to the way, for what purpose we're doing this.
1: Do you feel yeah, that? I, I hope so. Um, I think so. I mean, historically, Ireland always had a very good percentage of money donated to overseas causes you know like african famine relief and stuff so you know as a country regardless of talking about tech you know the the amount given per capita whenever there's a relief you know say bob Geldof, you know band sure. you know like i guess in some ways it's not a coincidence that that was an irish guy that was doing that you know mm-hmm. and again he's also a tech innovator and vc but he also you know you know, felt that something was important, and you know, I mean, he's always, it's always funny that those videos where he's like, you know, don't bother giving me, the, just give me the money. I don't even want to waste giving the phone number out, Just give me the money, you know. So,
0: yeah, um,
1: so I guess culturally, you know, I think the Irish would would say that, you know, there there is that reputation of trying to, it's not just about money.
0: Yeah, and I, and I heard that eight um, percent of the Irish GDP are with NGOs which is uh, a high indexing uh, for relative to other countries.
1: Oh, really, I, 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 I didn't know that, but I'm not, mass, I'm not surprised. Because you have goal, you have trope, you have concern. Before I moved here, I hadn't even heard of these. Um, but these are all NGOs that do work overseas. So I think there's something in it. I mean, to flip that though, right? I, in a lot of interviews, I have asked companies, if you become fantastically successful, what provision have you made? For like um, Salesforce with their one percent policy, but right. even before they made any money, they had it kind of hardwired into their company ethos that they were going to give back. Mm-hmm. And Salesforce kind of evolved out of Oracle, who similarly do a lot of philanthropic stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, if we you go back to like we're talking about Silicon Valley, you know, in some ways they have done a lot of interesting things about thinking about well, suppose we do make it, what do we do so that we're not just about the money
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so then over here it's a conversation I have and not all startups unnecessarily have, have given it a lot of thought so so while on one hand we're saying that Irish do give a lot and culturally they do, it's I think it could also be something that could be maybe ethics 101 that could be part of because there are a lot of accelerators and incubators in Ireland, I think it would be no harm if they also um, had, a, had a topic or a point about have you thought about how you would engage with
0: the community if you did come yeah. successful? Well, and you know, also things like branding and there's so many things to think about is these people at the first point, they have to survive and then uh, add these other yeah. layers in. So, um, Simon, I'm just going to, uh, flip. So I know time is, uh, of the essence and, uh, I, I, hear a few noggins in the background. But last thing about Irish tech news, Simon. Um, so you've been involved with Irish tech news for a few years. Um, you're now in a, it seems like it's growing nicely. You've got 10 writers I see on the site. Um, tell us just a little bit about the numbers on Irish tech news. So we understand uh, what you're up to. And then I want to ask one more last question after that.
1: Okay. So yeah. So the good news story that we have at the moment is, is that we've had month on month growth for the last 18 months. And for the last six months, it's going even better. So um, where Twitter impressions Hit um, 2.3 million for the last 28 days. Um, we had 350 thousand views, and our top four countries are Ireland, US, UK, India. And I guess the great thing is is the whole snowball effect that you know we we have the articles and the new stuff. But what's happening is is that you know the back catalogue of content we have just has grown so that it's great to look at the stats and see that there are pieces being viewed this month where we interviewed the mayor of uh, Palo Alto about smart cities last year, and it's getting viewed this month. So there's that whole value that, you know...
0: Long tail, or...
1: Yeah, you can't be an open success, but once you have that long tail, the long tail will, will continue to bring in views. And so, you know, I was looking at it recently, and it was, you know, the stats were listing the details on... On the highest, most viewed thousand articles, and I'm, I, I hadn't even really contemplated that more than a thousand of our articles were being viewed in a week. So obviously, we're not producing a thousand articles in a week. So that long tail is actually beginning to reinforce the growth, which is fantastic. Yeah.
0: I was just the last question was: um, what is your uh, strategy with regard to social media? Do you is it something that you guys are actively looking, or are you just sort of how how do you, you view social media as part of your marketing mix?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, yes, we we do have to actively look at it. Um, it's it's yeah, it's vital. It's very interesting. Um, until recently, we had um, most of our views were coming in through Twitter, which obviously is interesting because I think as everyone knows, Twitter only reaches maybe, I don't know, 10% of people who are online, you know, this is the whole challenge for Twitter, and yet people who are interested in tech are probably disproportionately more active on Twitter, so therefore Twitter has been great value for us. Now, at the same time, the the great thing about us being slightly autonomous collective is that some of the guys are passionate about Snapchat Mm -hmm. and stuff, so they keep telling us that we're all dinosaurs, because we're not active on Snapchat, but we're like, "Well, well, great, you you go so okay so we have a mixture of things well yeah we have a strategy and you know the business partner will kind of sort of complain that you know okay we we have a debate about how much time you spend creating content and how much time you spend promoting it so I was saying is it 50-50 and they were saying oh we think it might be 20-80 you know and that's 20% on content and 80% on on distribution Um, now obviously this is why I guess as and when you grow and you get bigger, you probably have you can separate that at the same time. When you're smaller, like us, you are your brand slightly, so therefore, it becomes that we have a conversation with our writers about it's not enough just to write and publish, you need to think about who the audience for that particular piece is and where the audience is for that particular piece. So, for example, I'll go really niche: so, FPV first-person view. Drone racing, okay, in Ireland it's really kicking off. It's going really well. There's an amazingly active Facebook group. So anything you do on drones or first person view drones or just conversations about drones, you go to that Facebook page because you can look at this, the thread of comments, the level of activity. So, so those are kind of things that we've learned by. We went out. We did. We did the, we did the safety training with them, so we understand what you're supposed to do. And it's a bit like Fight Club. They're like, we can take you to places. You have to work blindfold, and then we can take you first person racing in derelict buildings. So by doing that kind of stuff, then you kind of it's that Hunter S. Thompson approach that you actually maybe get to know some of your audience. By doing that, I know that there are certain topic articles that, that, that there are right places to put them and. Part of that's experience and part of that's looking at the data. Um, you go back to Twitter and the hashtags, absolutely, that's great. And so with our, all of our writers, some of them just want to write, but some of them we kind of said, but look, obviously you're writing, there's a value in your writing and more things will come to you if you can make sure that it's seen by the right people. Mm. And it, it's not like, okay, you need, one, you need to have good content, but then once you hit the level of good content, you're still up there with you know, ten percent of the people maybe, you know. Mm. But then it's about who creatively promotes that. And this is one thing that we have maybe over the printed press is is that we're more active on social media and we can see the benefits from that. We can see Mm -hmm. that we're reaching it's I guess it's that thing. You need to be where your audience is. Mm -hmm. And we are looking at that. And I guess the good thing is is that we have a range of ages of people that write for us mm-hmm. so therefore if someone says look I'm getting real activity here maybe you should try that or maybe we mm-hmm. should try that as, as a policy mm-hmm. so it's it's fluid and even since January things have changed and you know suddenly we'll be like oh why are we getting 30% more views in LinkedIn You know, so we'll kind mm-hmm. of try and analyse why that's happened because last year or the year or two before LinkedIn seemed like a bit of a spam feed mm-hmm. it had reached the point where too many people were
0: self-promoting,
1: and therefore there was less value. So right. I
0: guess it's, yeah. I was just noticed that LinkedIn, I am sure, like, you uh, get a few requests for connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had accumulated a whole lot, hundreds of people I didn't bother answering to. I don't know if you noticed, but a couple of days ago, they uh, they just took a big swath out of that. I suppose it was maybe probably decay, you know, at 12 months old and over, Anyway, I'm in gone, by only have 200 people who have. Uh, so anyway, you 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 might check that out. Anyway, Simon, cool. I have a feeling we might have been able to go on to sun sunset to talk more, but that'll be for another time. Allow us to go on with our day. Tell us how can someone uh, track you down, find you? What are the best ways?
1: Okay, so I guess googling Irish tech news works. Um, personally, Twitter is the great for me and that's at simon cocking um all as it says S-I-O-M-C-O-C-K-I-N-G. um the website is probably our, our leading outlet and then we share across uh our twitter account our facebook account um and snapchat well we are on snapchat but that's <laughs> uh, one of our guys mark dalton is the big advocate so. Apparently we're there.
0: 150 million daily active viewers, that's the number.
1: Well, this is what he keeps throwing back at us. Yeah, sure. You know, and and also, interestingly, he said that long content is doing really well because it's disproportionately well indexed by hashtags. So even though it's not intuitively the place to be, therefore, being counterintuitive, there's actually value because not everyone's there. So Mm. that's maybe giveaway
0: but i guess everyone knows that hey simon thanks for coming on the show have a great day we'll be in touch cool thanks a lot cheers thanks for having listened to this recording of the minter dialogue show you'll find the show notes on themindset.com that's mindset with a y where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe if you like the show please do rate it on itunes that really makes my day happy trails and enjoy josh Sachs's painted fingers
2: Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way To rid me of the gray And heal me with all your imperfections That you mention in your lack of self-secure In our palms make colors blend And look ugly Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast and now available on YouTube.